What's going on, everyone? And welcome to Method and the Madness. This is a podcast that not only delves deep into design and creativity, but also leadership, productivity, and all things personal development. We are at episode 16, where I get to sit down with Laurel Quinn, who is the CEO and co-founder of the startup Sustainably. And if you've never heard of Sustainably, it is a fintech platform which allows you to round up your space change and donate it to a charity of your choice, enabling you to change you know, the lives of many people with all your daily transactions when you're buying your morning coffee and all sorts. So uh, I love the idea behind Sustainably and I reached out to Laura a few weeks ago who very kindly took some time out of her busy Friday to sit with me to chat about anything and everything there is about Sustainably. Um, Laura takes us through her career journey thus far and how she actually arrived at the idea Sustainably as well as all the kind of different steps and processes involved in terms of getting it off the ground. Um, Laura also tells us a bit about what it's like to co-found and run a company with her daughter, Isho, which is a pretty unique situation, I'm sure you can imagine. Laura also gives us a bit of a glimpse into the world of running a startup, the daily stresses and hurdles, but also the significant challenges in general that female founders are faced with. Um, Laura has some pretty kind of shocking statistics around the percentage of female founders that get funding in comparison to those that are male, and uh, we discuss that in kind of good detail as well. And finally, Laura also teases us about the future of the product and what is on the horizon for Sustainably, which I won't give away, but sounds pretty exciting. And this episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Dinghy. And what is Dinghy? Dinghy is insurance for freelancers by freelancers. And they're on a mission to make insurance cheaper, faster, and most importantly, fairer. Their groundbreaking approach offers flexible, pay-as-you-go business insurance exclusively for freelancers, which is all done through their simple and slick app and with that you can get insurance that can be turned up or down uh, it can be turned on or off 24 7 which actually means that you only pay for the coverage you need rather than tons of coverage that you don't need it's charged down to the second and build in arrears there's absolutely no fees or admin charges and you can get a simple quote within 40 seconds and you can have your policy up and running within two minutes which is absolutely awesome their insurance is not only tailored specifically for freelancers, but Dinghy also support an array of freelancer groups and charities with the aim of improving freelancing and the world in general. So please visit the following link today and you can get your quote in seconds. So head over to getdinghy.com forward slash MITM. That's G-E-T-D-I-N-G-H-Y dot com forward slash MITM. There are a fantastic bunch of people over there, and like I said, it's not just for creatives. If you're a freelance podcaster or a freelance hairdresser, you'll be able to get coverage to these guys as well. So by all means, check it out. And now, without much further ado, please welcome Laurel Quinn to Method in the Badness. Laurel, thank you very much for coming on the show. I really appreciate you having me at the WeWork offices on a Friday, nonetheless. So I really appreciate your time. Great to be here and thanks for inviting me. I'm looking forward to it. Ah, don't be silly. You are the CEO of Sustainably, which if those of you who don't know, it's a service which allows you to round up your spare change and purchases and then donate it to a charitable cause of your choice, which is an awesome idea. Uh, but just to kind of jump straight in, I suppose. Could you tell us a little bit about your journey before this? Um, you know, how you arrived at the idea of Sustainably and also the journey of Sustainably thus far? Sure. Um, so I've had a long and varied career. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've worked in lots of different industries for um, smaller amounts of time than I did laterally in the financial services industry. But I worked in a charity, in the fashion industry, in the music industry, and then in financial services. <laughs> um, and um, It feels like the wrong order. <laughs> I know, it is, isn't it? And then kind of a startup, a tech startup. So... Um, Probably most relevant to what I'm doing now uh, was that I was working in an investment company where I set up the digital team and then helped scale that company from six to 30 countries in 10 years, which was quite a sort of big wow. growth trajectory. And then uh, managing teams in different parts of the world. 
um, and digital marketing in those different countries as well. So that for me was quite a big challenge um, working in that industry and kind of, uh, I guess, transforming parts of it. Yeah, sure. Um, and then laterally, it was advising the board on digital transformation across the entire business. Um, and that gave me loads of different, I guess, skills and experience and a lot of autonomy. Um, I had a really good team that I was working with, um, but obviously lots of challenges of working in a large, what became a large organization and um, was in multiple countries and um, I guess lots of different priorities. So um, I did enjoy it and it was a really big challenge and um, we managed to achieve quite a lot, but laterally towards the end of kind of that time working there um I think I was just having maybe a midlife crisis <laughs> I was like what am I doing with my life and I had been doing a lot of research for the transformation role and there was lots and lots of inspirations um so at that time and I think Roundups is not a new thing. You've been able to round up your savings into your in your bank accounts for many, many years. But the idea of creating a platform that enabled you to have an impact in in, in a small way every single day um, and getting the businesses that you work for and the retailers that you buy from involved in that, like an ecosystem, was kind of the idea for sustainably essentially was to kind of create a simple way well lots of different simple ways that you could actually do good yeah so roundups is just one of the products that we've got um at the moment and there's a roadmap of other products and the inspiration for it was initially acorns investing which rounded up your spare change to your yeah. investment portfolio and then things like tom's shoes where you buy something you do something good and uh, Pokemon Go so you could interact with your environment. And that's kind of what we're creating at Sustainably is, is a variety of things that just are, um, I guess, have an element of gamification and rewards and um, are just all about friction, removing friction from, from doing good and aligning that to the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Um, and... It was kind of one of those things that I didn't think I would ever do because uh, I just kind of started to write this business plan and mm. it kind of just morphed and morphed. I'd done this Google Squared course, which I thought was really good. If you get a chance, you might look at have a look at it. But it was all about disruptive innovation. And um, I'm quite a sort of I like to challenge myself and I like to push myself and learn and all this kind of stuff. So. I had this business idea and it was after that, after I'd done that, I had this idea and it just kept coming back to me. And I thought, why don't I try something like use my skills to do something good that I am really, truly passionate, passionate about. And my daughter, Aishal, she was working in ethical retail at the time. And I had all these post-it notes on the kitchen wall and she just started like putting her like ideas and, and it just became this thing and we suddenly next thing we were pitching in to get into this accelerator and we were like if we get in will we just do it and we we're like yes so we quit we ended up quitting our jobs and going so to, were you kind of sorry to interject uh were you kind of thinking it was going to be like a part-time gig you know at first or was it or uh, were you just kind of going in blind just to go uh see what happens I, I don't know I don't know what we, the hell we were thinking like we were just <laughs> like I think we were just we just wanted to try it and because we both felt like this is there's something here like let's let's give it a try and to get in we went to na the RBS accelerator thinking we'll okay, get all yeah. this data that we need because we were going to build that build it using all the transaction data and it'll be done in six months and it didn't kind of work out <laughs> like that so um but nevertheless we kind of did that and Aishal um, is really creative and she did all the user journeys and all the design work for the original uh, concept. Um, and that was, I guess, for us to show like this is what it does, this is how it's going to work. And then we um, ended up getting some money to fund the first version of it. Cool. Uh, which um, that was the first, the first, the thing that we needed. So um, that took us a little longer to get the money than we thought. Uh, but we we kind of we have a product in the yeah. market, so we're doing something right, um, and we have users, and uh, we're supporting some really good causes. So the plan is to just now scale that uh, as quickly as we can with, um, yeah, with a lot of the 
the partners that we're planning to work with sure. next year. So next year will will be the really big year for us, I think, because um, we've now got the team in place. And uh, so yeah, it's been a, a crazy roller coaster. Yeah. But if you don't push yourself and do put yourself out of your comfort zone, then you you kind of you know you're not going to transform the world, and that's kind of what it's all about. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. That's super exciting. Yeah, you mentioned there you obviously started sustainably with your daughter. Mm -hmm. um, I love my family very much and we get on like a house on fire. I would never want to work with any of them though. Uh, <laughs> so what's that like in terms of a dynamic working with your daughter? Uh, had you done anything like that before so you knew it was going to kind of work and kind of how, how do you separate your like family life from business life now being yeah um to be honest i did never i never thought i'd work with Aishal. it was just not even something that crossed my mind it just happened to happen um and for us our perspective we have a very um unique relationship i think because there is no bullshit it's kind of very straight to the point if somebody thinks someone else is doing something crazy they're like no way that's not happening this is the reason why let's debate it let's get out and just you know it's pretty can be pretty full on but yeah. it's also really good um and i couldn't work with any of my family there's no way but obviously i'm working with Aishal and that's about sort of a different relationship but yeah um for us it works really well because she has completely different skill set to me um she kind of manages all the product and engineering side of the business and right she's very good at all of that stuff and then i manage all the partnerships and the investment and all that kind of stuff and i kind of maybe i'm sort of <laughs> hopefully i'm all right at that um and Seems to be doing not too badly so yeah far. so i think that those kind of complementary skills and then we've got amazing people in the team which you know for us to kind of get the team that we have is amazing um and we wouldn't be able to do it without them so you know we've we really have developed a really great team that are really behind the mission but also have the really great skills that that really can move this move the dial so that to me is brilliant but i think i personally would not be able to do it without Aishal because she's such a core part of what we're doing and it's kind of very interesting to like reflect back back on it and think how did it actually happen because i don't think either of us would have ever thought we would work together but it kind of sort of just happened naturally happened kind yeah. Of organically yeah exactly cool. yeah i can imagine like <laughs> since it's obviously become a successful project rather than one that just took a nosedive yeah it's probably brought you guys closer together in terms of your relationship or I mean, we still have a, there, there's obviously still times when you're like, you know. Oh, obviously, family. You know what I mean? Um, but we're really close and we will, I think we will always be close. But we sometimes are tearing each other's, you know, each other's hair out. And yeah. Not in, not <laughs> like in real life. But you no, know no, I mean? no. But I think it's just, um, obviously, being in a startup is a high pressure environment. But mm. we both are able to cope with it. And we both know when to like not poke the bear or whatever, and, <laughs> you know, irritate each other even further. So and it's good to have a co-founder to run ideas or even to just like offload onto mm. Um, because I don't think you can do this type of thing on your well on your own unless you have a really great great team around you. But um, to go through it with someone is a really that's kind of what kind of you need. So. Yeah, I was reading a, a blog the other day by it was on Medium. I'm I'm awful at remembering names of mm. things and things like that. It was a very cool app. That's all I can remember. But uh, he was discussing about basically how lonely being a CEO. And a co-founder by himself, uh, uh, being a founder and a CEO by himself was is like it's a very lonely experience because, you know, yes, you have your team, but if you're like the sole person that started the company, then it could it would be quite a lonely experience, I'd imagine. So it's yeah. obviously something that you've haven't had to experience with yeah i think you can still feel lonely when you're a co-founder because mm. there's just so much pressures, you know. So it's it, it's not necessarily you know obviously being a solo founder must be extreme very hard yeah. but i think it's still you know you still have so much stuff that you have to work through your own self you know mm. that you that's why you need advisors and you know all these kind of amazing people that do um you do kind of benefit from their knowledge along the way because yeah, it's quite it's very tough yeah and uh, what were the i suppose you know from you having the idea sustainably and the post-it notes are up on the wall in the house to quitting your job 
which is obviously, um, and you know, the the income's no longer coming in on a regular basis and things like that. What like what were that kind of steps or process involved in that, and how long was that process taking? Yeah, I think the the bit which was the challenge, obviously the challenge is when you have the idea, you need to get the product out there. So and you need to validate and make sure that you know you're building something good and all that stuff. So for us to get funding to get the team, we kind of went to all the tech meetups and tried to get team members there. But we ultimately ended up working with a small agency that kind of built the MVP for us, and that was really good for us because they were excellent at kind of building that initial version that we could then use that and put it out into the market and all sure. that kind of stuff. So that was that was really good but it took us a while to get that bit of funding and that was that was a challenge the first hurdle is to get something in the market get people using it and then get more money to build an actual thing that you can scale so of course um we the way that kind of we went about that was getting that first version and then promoting it the hell out of it so we went to finnovate in new york and demoed okay, it okay yeah at, that big conference and we were at the airport thinking what the hell's going on like you know <laughs> as and we just went and demoed this thing what are we doing here and then we got like this email when we're sitting in the departure lounge saying we won best of show <laughs> and oh, so that wow. was kind of that was quite a good moment um because when you think you that was like demoing to like four thousand three thousand people and, yeah and then there's a panel of judges and they kind of say whether it's good enough or not good or whatever um, so that was good. And I think it kind of just started to then like pick up. So we got, we won um, this competition called Accelerate Her, which led us to meet the co-founder of Skyscanner. And then he put a little bit of angel money in. And then we um, pitched to get into the Creator Awards at WeWork, uh, which we then won that. And we got some money from WeWork. Um, and, you know, but it's kind of just from there that we then were able to build the team and get a scalable version of the product into market. And that's kind of where we're at now. So um, I think it's been, you know, there's there's things that you have to do along the way to get recognition, to get anybody to take notice because it's a really competitive, crowded market. And then, you know, just leveraging as many different opportunities to get visibility so that you can get to where your next step is yeah sure um so at the moment we're just going to be working with nesta on their they've put out an open um banking sort of uh, challenge and we're one of the companies that's been selected for that which will give us access to the team that helped elect obama yeah, <laughs> uh, get, get, get obama elected you know the sort of creative marketing sure. uh, bits of that so that will be great um in terms of growing our visibility and getting uh the partnerships in place that we want to focus on for next year so that's kind of where we're at now but there was always a challenge and it's just kind of getting up every day and hitting the, you know, looking t towards those next milestones and realizing how to hack your way through it. And, mm. you know, how do we get to this next level um, and like learning from people who have done it and finding out new things every day. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I can imagine there's probably a new for every thing that you solve. There's probably. Yeah three other challenges that come off the back of it or something like yeah, that, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you mentioned, obviously, investment as well. Investment is a huge part of any startup yeah. business and the growth of it. Um, I can't, uh, you know, this is probably a sweeping generalization, number one for the podcast, but uh, I can't imagine there's not too many people that can't get behind the idea sustainably. Uh, it's obviously a very, you know, like you say, spare change rounding, that concept maybe isn't perhaps new, but helping make change every single day can't understand anyone not being behind that but what are some of the kind of common hurdles you know when you are pitching for investment and trying to uh, gain more investment what are some of the kind of hurdles that you frequently come into yeah i think there is obviously the um when you're pitching for bigger amounts of money there is much more validation so um kind of i guess they are expecting a you know a lot because investors are not typically investing in hundreds and hundreds of businesses they have a really uh, limited maybe like 10 or 12 investments that they're making a year or you know some something like that so you have to be really exceptional but um it's really interesting that we, we talk about this subject uh, because the statistics for female founders to get money are still really low. And I'm kind of was was try was doing a bit more research into why this is. And mm -hmm. um, PitchBook 
published last year that um, I think it was one pence in every one pound goes to female founders. And then in the US, I think it's still 2% of VC money goes to female founders. So it's still really, really low. And um, I just had heard about this TED talk by Dana Kanzi. So like okay. you should look up, it's called The Real Reason Female Entrepreneurs Get Less Funding. And she actually looked at all the tech crunch um, pitches, female and male, and did all this analysis um, on the why were female founded businesses getting less money than the male founded businesses when they were on a similar level. And it was very interesting, the, the sort of findings from her research were around the, uh, she called it implicit um the she said it's insidious um gender bias mm. like and that it's completely the the way that the questions are asked are completely different for the Males. female founder businesses to the male founder businesses wow. and she was very much um kind of with all the analysis she does she came up with these two she had done this PhD in like some sort of psychology and there's two different question types and one was promotion and which was all around the growth aspects of your business mm -hmm. um, which was consistently asked to the male founded businesses and the other one was around prevention which were all the the barriers and why would this not work yeah. were consistently asked to the female founder businesses and it's the way that they that kind of narrow pigeonholes you into a certain type of answer, which then pigeonholes well, you down a certain type Well, you're talking about a negative thing yeah, happening rather uh -huh. than a positive thing happening. Exactly, which then led to significantly less um, investment money to those businesses that get kept getting wow. asked the prevention question. So it's really, really interesting. So she comes up with some strategies to to kind of get around that, which I'm now going to actually use. Because yeah. it's kind of, <laughs> but I think it's this whole education piece on if the VCs themselves were actually asking the similar, the same questions to both businesses, how much more opportunity would they have to to actually get, um, you know, well, more yeah, money, like, right? Yeah. Because they're actually investing on a level playing field. Then they're not they're not investing just to the the same type of person yeah, that they already yeah. know. So, it, the more diverse of your portfolio with, you know the ability to scale is going to be massive, right? Because yeah, you're not you going be to miss opportunities. opportunities yeah. Exactly. So there's benefits in all respects. So I thought that was super, super interesting. Um, but I think, you know, that to me is a really, really massive issue. And it's not just gender diversity, it's, it's diversity across the board. And if you think that a lot of the focus is on male, female, gender yeah. bias right now but what about all the other different yeah, biases? race religion it's sexuality just, it's whatever it's huge like... it's absolutely massive and we need to change that because the world could be such a better place if there was just more diversity well, like, it's just so silly when you think about it like why wouldn't you like it's like pre-filtering, so you're only going to be going after the same opportunities yeah. all the time, which is know, never. It's true, but know. that's the way that, that that we see a lot of time work. It's intros. Yeah. So you're getting an intro from the other. I mean, Whoever, to be yeah. generalist, it's like you're getting the intro from the other white male that you know already. That's getting the intro from the other white male that they all know already, and that's kind of that is that that's kind of how it has been. So to change it all up, to shake it all up, to get more people through the you know through the whole system to exit, to have those CEOs that then become angels that are female founders or diverse founders from other backgrounds mm. that brings it all up. And that's kind of where we need to get to. But it, the whole point is that everybody is biased. And that is the the bit that when you think, oh, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be, but everybody has a certain bias. And it's kind of trying to break that down to be more conscious about it and, yeah. and understand that, you know, we do need to have, more gender not just gender but more diversity yeah across the board yeah. yeah how did you know well i don't know in your prior jobs maybe you had the experience of like obviously presenting and pitching because most people do these days but how did you know where to start when you're first pitching for investment or did you not or did you did you use you know things like angel list or like i see you've got cedar's sketchbook that have you considered ever using like a crowdfunding platform like Cedars or Crowdcube or anything? Yeah, I think it's doing that at the right time. And I, I think the the thing for us is that you have to 
when you're going to the investors, you have to go at the right time, but you kind of want an element of them, you know, selecting you as well. So if you're on like a Tech Nation or, you know, a program like sure. a London and Partners or We Labs or something like that, you can go and pitch at things where then they will come and ask you, like, come in or let's have a chat or whatever, which is, I guess that is a good approach as well because you've already been pre-qualified um because you know a lot of people will intro you but maybe it's not the right time and you know there's lots of other things going on so i think it's knowing when is the right time but also having your short list and maybe trying out on the long list and yeah. you know kind of a lot of different factors but then come into that other thing where you kind of want to get a sector specialist or something that's relevant to what you're doing. So sure. you do have to do your own research to narrow it down to then know which ones you want to speak to, then which ones are maybe not, you know, that might be invested in your competitors or, you know, and then there's the aspect of, are they just doing a research job on you? You know, mm. so there's, there's lots of different things and you kind of don't want to waste your time or their time. So you, I think to get intros is good but I think to be visible and them come to you is ideal and you know but to get the ones that you want and cut out all the ones that you don't want really um but do I know, I know the exact answer no because yeah. <laughs> we are still kind of trying to figure out which ones would be the best for us um because it might be um, might be angels it might be vcs you know we're just trying to put this bit of the next bit of the puzzle together right now so um, and it's all about who's going to help you accelerate and dilution and lots of other things. So you have to think about a lot of different things, but you don't want to kind of take um, get investors that are not the right investors. Yeah, of course. And you have to do a huge amount of due diligence on them. So speak to the companies that they're already invested in. See, you know, how what's their experience. Speak to the ones that have had that have not done well, you know, as well yeah. as the ones that have, and kind of like really learn. And and I always speak to people that I know in the ecosystem and say like what about these ones and they will tell you straight they'll be like don't touch them with a yeah. barge pole or like these are good investors and you know it's just because the last thing you want to do is enter into a partnership with, with investors that are just not gonna like you know just gonna Have be your a headache yeah. yeah so how did you like actually you know educate yourself about this whole new world and ecosystem of you know angels versus vcs versus whatever's and we've like had loads and loads of ad advisors and help you know because you, you're not doing it you don't have to do it on your own that's mm. kind of the best thing about this because there is a lot of help so um I think it's just getting connected into those networks and learning and you have to soak it up and then you have to then filter it to say, right, this is the stuff that I, I'm going to take on board because you can't just take on board everything everyone tells you because yeah. you just be, let's like, just that's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, and then learning because through experience as well, because sometimes someone will tell you something and you, you might not then really realize it in reality until yeah. you're actually living it. So, um, a lot of it's experience, but a lot of it's learning from other people and, you know, at which stage are what types of people going to be involved and, you know, how to get to them. So, um, but yeah, I think it's the more connected into the ecosystem, the faster you get through all that and getting the right advisors also, the faster you get through all that. Yeah, so I can imagine. It's definitely uh, the faster you can get through it all, the better, really, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. And would you ever consider using like a public kind of crowdfunding platform like a Crowdcube or a Cedars? Yeah, like Monzo I think so. Done in the I future? think so. But you really need an avid sort of following and to sure. do that kind of thing. And we're not, we're not kind of, we will look at, we will do it, I think, at some point. Um, but when it's the right time, you yeah. have to do it all when it's at the right time, really. So yeah. I think what Monzo and all that's done is great. So um, yeah. in terms of their crowdfunding. No, they've done insanely well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when did you, you know, when was your eureka moment? When did you first realize, like, fuck, this is this is a good idea. It's going to work. Uh, and was that, like, way before or was it quite, like, later on when you actually had, like, a bit of a MVP product out there? I mean, I think it comes at various points because you have to, there has to be something else for you to get up for, you know, so for, first of all, the Finnovate thing, then kind of getting the various investors and winning certain things and then getting the product into market, getting really good um 
first of all, charities coming to us and saying, we want this. That's yeah. good validation. And then getting some of the partnerships as well. So um, I think it kind of has to happen in an ongoing way, because if you're not getting validation, then you shouldn't really be doing kind of what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think you have to keep learning and you have to listen to your customers and you have to take all that feedback on board because you know they're the ones that are using this yeah you know so kind of a lot of that is is making sure that you've got the things in place that you can understand what the customers want and you are iterating you are learning you are testing things and moving the business forward so it's an ongoing process of yeah. um sort of validation but yeah, we are still, we'll still, we're still early stage. We're still learning. We're still testing. We're still uh, trying new things. So it's an ongoing process, but um, we're not, you know, we're kind of, we're still right in the heart of all of that. Yeah, think no. of it. Um, and lots of good stuff happening. Yeah, yeah I can imagine. Uh, you, you obviously mentioned um, the TED talk there about female CEOs getting funding. And you often to kind of go back to that for a bit you often see well as a white male <laughs> like i obviously can't relate to it in the same way that uh, females can but if, when you see on linkedin things like l'oreal or aston martin appoints its first ever female ceo as a female ceo does that just piss you off royally like i can imagine like surely you'd rather it's aston martin appoints laurel quinn rather than aston martin appoints its first female ceo like it feels like I think it's such big news, though. I, I mean, and I don't get me wrong. I'm not listening to all that because I'm. I don't even know when half of this happens. Yeah. But the point is that there's still such a minority. Apparently, there's more Steve CEOs than there are Steve. There are female CEOs, <laughs> and that is that's that's a, what a random fact. But yeah, that is a fact. And um, I think it, the numbers have actually declined in the top businesses so fortune 500s went down from 32 female five uh, ceos to 24 last okay. year and FTSE 100 ceos went from seven to six so it's like although there's some there's still a, a tiny minority yeah. like you know percentage wise like you know tiny and um it is a big deal and I think it's all the challenges. If you know that somebody has made it as a female CEO, they have had so much more challenges than the male counterparts. And it's, you know, that to get there is like a hell of a ride. Mm. You might have to do two or three times more work than the male counterparts, mm. in, my, in my opinion. And, you know, I think it's just extremely hard. So um, it's big news. And uh, I think, you know... It's, I know, it's more so like, would, you, would the person not rather their name in the headline rather than... I'm sure than they it? would, but the thing is, it is big news. Yeah. You know, because it is so rare, you know. Um, the dog with the tail on its head type rare. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I just you saw know that what I mean? last night, it's actually. Just, it's, that's how rare it is. Yeah. That is, that's kind of the statistics. You may as well be a dog with a tail on its head. I don't think head. female CEOs and dogs with tails on its head has ever been in the same sentence before, but there you go. Yeah, that's how world rare it is. World exclusive. Yeah, world exclusive. The unicorn dog. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, yeah it's a bizarre looking dog. Cute yeah. little dog, but bizarre looking nonetheless. Yeah. Um, pitching for funding and running a business and is a kind of daily grind and struggle for startups. Uh never mind having you know the extra layer of being a, a female founder on top of that like have you ever walked away from a meeting or a investment pitch or anything like that where you've you felt like yeah they were treating me differently because i was a female like you know you don't obviously i'm not expecting you to name drop anyone but like how 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 real is the problem for yourself uh i think I definitely think there is issues and I now I'm going to be more kind of conscious of that with this new learning of the different types of questions. Yeah, so sure. I'm going to actually try to like do that in a more conscious way. Um, and, you know, when it's kind of like you're, oh, this is a really good one. I forgot about this example, but I shall <laughs> reminded me of it recently. So um, we went into pitch to these investors and one of them goes to, to, um, me oh your friend can sit here it was my co-founder and i was just like fuck off you know what i mean uh but what a kind of, huge oversight i'm just, sorry it but was like it was just and we just thought to ourselves we are we don't 
care anymore. We're just, let's get out of here as soon as possible. But we kind of like sat through the meeting. But that was just ridiculous. If you think about it, your friend can sit here. Like, I'm going to bring my friend to my investor meeting. <laughs> like, come on. Come on. I just came with my friend. Yeah, we'll you know? go Fernando's afterwards. Yeah, it like... it's, what? Anyway, that was the worst. I definitely, and then, um, yeah, I think, uh, when people are calling you girls you know that also really gets oh, right God. on my nerves so we've been in a meeting like that as well so I think people would not treat men like that so your friend can sit here you know so um yeah I think there's definitely things that need to be surfaced up so um there was actually a really interesting um company that I have I'm gonna look up the name of it but um, they've actually been doing a piece on um, if you go to a VC meeting mm -hmm. and are treated in a certain way, you can actually now feed it back into this um, organization. And they have okay. done like a sort of behavior uh, etiquette, um, not etiquette, but just how you should be behaving in a, in a meeting and, a, and educating VCs on it. Because a lot of the times they wouldn't like actually think about some of the things that are they're doing that is actually inappropriate yeah um so or they're probably not even aware they're doing it precisely, which is probably more worrying exactly so there's a huge movement towards this whole um understanding of the issues that actually are happening but also being able to report the issues that are happening and to get the issues resolved so that people actually don't have to be in the situations like 500 startups or whatever where there's you know going to meetings and it's all inappropriate and various yeah. other situations which have gone on for years and years and years and needs to end so um yeah i'm going to look up the name of that company but again like really really interesting education piece for vcs yeah. on what what is appropriate conduct and a reporting mechanism into how to kind of make this a better environment to yeah. raise funds in. I've never been in front of a VC before, so I'm not probably qualified to say this, but I would also imagine, is there an element of when, you know, the VCs are almost like the kind of high hegens because they're the ones that can help you grow with their investment if they do choose to invest you. There's probably a lot of people that wouldn't say, you know, boot a goose to them, but because they are in that position, like I can't imagine they're getting that, like direct feedback as often as say you know joe blow and a company would if they were doing behaving like that let's say but i don't know if that's true or not i mean i guess there might be some ego issues you know there that might be a sort of prevalent thing if you think that you're the god of whatever yeah. but i mean ultimately they have to build the relationship with the startup uh, because they want to make money right yeah. um and that is kind of you know ultimately that's kind of what it is but I think it's just with all the issues that have happened there has to be some other level there has to be a level playing field and people don't have you know shouldn't be going to meetings and being treated in a certain way so that's kind of just um, basic but do might not always be yeah. well isn't always happening let's face it so. no completely especially I mean especially these days where you get CEOs that are still in their teens and things like that like yeah. it, the that whole world is changing you know it's not you're not getting people who are CEOs becoming CEO at the age of 60 anymore and all this kind of stuff. Like they're so young these days because that's just the way the future is going, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah. you can't, you know, they can't treat people mm -hmm. the way they are. Like, yeah. they've, that, like they've always been doing anyway. Yeah, there isn't a high, there shouldn't be hierarchy yeah. in, in that way because people, especially the younger generation, do not get it. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, what? How? What are you talking about? That there's sexism. And I'm like, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, sustainability is obviously a very much purpose and kind of mission-driven brand and service. Um, and I've always wondered. I was I was speaking to Jeremy from Power of Life about this when he was on as well. Like, how much do investors care about that? Like, obviously there are investors because they want to make money at the end of the day, but. Like, how much do they actually care about like the purpose and mission behind what you're doing, and can they get behind that, or is it just more so about numbers and figures? I think it is a combination of, of the two because I, I definitely think the way that the market is moving is towards more sustainable, more ethical products, and that's the way we need to move as a as a world. Mm. So the natural, you know, movement will be towards more ethical investment. And you see that with the big, the, the black box of the world saying that, you know, companies need to take control of what they're doing and actually become more ethical and sustainable um, in their business practices. And that's where they want to move, start moving money to. But 
you know, they have to start growing those companies because a lot of the companies aren't, there isn't the, you know, there isn't the number of companies yeah, available sure. to make the investments in because, you know, the companies are not yeah. there. So <laughs> um, I think it's it's twofold de- market demand for products and services that are more ethical and sustainable will drive investor money into more ethical and sustainable sure. companies. But it's a longer term thing. And do is there availability across the, the, the uh, landscape for them to make all those investments? Probably, you know, they need to make more of them, but they need to help those companies move further and faster. So I think there are certain VCs that are focused on Im- impact, but there is also a lot that are still that are focused on sector specific. But impact is now becoming part of that. Uh, and I think it will just continue to grow because yeah. it is, you know, where the money will. will yeah, need, well, like future generations are caring more and more about like what they're buying and what they're. Yeah, you know, exactly. It's all consumer driven at the end, yeah. but you know it, it is money at the end for VCs because they have to get returns to their investors. Yeah, of course. Um, what have been some of the the biggest lessons from? You've obviously kind of worked in you know growing global teams and things like that before, but sustainably as a whole, like what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned? Uh, I think it's all about getting the right team for what you're delivering and for us obviously having a technical and design and product is core mm. so um getting the, those team members took us took us a while to get the right team but um we have a really passionate team and we have a great team so i think it's continuing to <clears throat> build on that great team and not losing culture that'll be key but the having both neither Agile or myself are technical so getting the right technical um co-founder in the team Mm. uh or technical expertise in the team that was that was the biggest challenge for us um but we have really good technical resources now so it's just continuing to build on all the the great uh team and the great culture will be a the the I think the biggest opportunity, um, but might present a really sort of big challenge to keep that yeah. as we scale. Um, so that will be a really interesting, like, f- like well, as a focus for us as we grow to maintain that culture and the sort of team dynamic. Yeah, uh, as a designer, I'm curiously interested in the the actual kind of design and kind of aesthetic of your product as well. Like a lot of kind of new products and apps and services that you see arrive on the scene are still very ropey and MVP feeling (laughs) when you first kind of come into contact with them and there's still things that are broken and clunky and, you know, sustainably isn't that. Like uh, it's a very rich, very slick, very um, aesthetically pleasing product. was the kind of design and all that like important to you guys from day one? Yeah, I mean, definitely from day one, we had a really big focus on design because we don't think people will use something that is just not up to design, you know, like hmm. not a great thing. You yeah, know, it has to experience. design is a massive part of that. So we've been lucky enough to work with a really great designer um, to for the MVP but we now actually have our own creative director who is excellent and does all the user interface design so you know that is a really core to what we're delivering because it's all about you know having that brand and like resonating with that brand and the brand makes you feel good and you know that you can relate to it so we've put a lot of effort into that and we'll continue to develop and evolve it as you know with everything is an ongoing evolution and we want to do a lot of things with the branding and the whole user experience will evolve um but it is core to core to what we're doing and we really are strongly believe Mm. that the the right user interface and the right getting the right designers to work with us is is sort of core to that yeah and like going on from that then the year obviously you're not a design background you've worked in kind of digital before but uh not maybe so much digital product but how did you actually get started because you were discussing earlier you and Ashok kind of talking about you know user flows and the actual kind of user journey uh is that something that she had experience in or were you just kind of like faking it till you make it <laughs> and or did you kind of get a designer or ux or you involved early 
Yeah, Ashel did a course at Code Clan on user uh, experience okay. design, and she was a really into design and really good at designing. So she just taught herself Sketch and lo- did loads and loads. Oh, of- awesome. She created the whole product first, like designs for that. But um, we actually have a user experience designer in the team as well as user interface designer. So the whole user journeys are detailed, mapped out user uh, with um uh, documentation goes to all the engineers as to how what are all the interactions and all this kind of stuff it's extremely detailed the process we go through yeah um before we build anything and that is you know that's just the process that we go through and it's it's it is a really robust slick process that Mm. nothing goes to engineering before there's the whole user experience design and user interface designs are complete so um that's just part of our our the way that we work in terms of how do we get through things to like from idea to to production to live you know so yeah yeah so you kind of prefer it to be obviously quite polished yeah rather Uh than because like there's so many Uh obviously mvp kind of culture is obviously very big in startups and it's just Uh like get it out there, get it, like, you know, least amount of effort with Uh the maximum amount of kind of data. It still has to look good, though. Yeah. You know, so that was always the focus for us. Even if it's just really basic, it still has to look good. So, you know, regardless of what is the actual functionality, it has to look good. So the more and more stuff that we're doing, even if it was really basic to start with, as we add features and deploy new code every single day, it still has to look good and work to, like, the standards that we're putting in place. Um. And that's that's just been the way that we've yeah. we've kind of always worked. Yeah, it's just it's, it's it's nice to hear that though because I think there's a lot of startups that don't follow that, and then you can kind of see the proof is in the pudding at the end of the day. Like your, you know, site and experience it doesn't feel like it's just you know a team of what did you say like nine we've or got ten eight people now, eight, eight people, and yeah, various people that work. you know like you think there's yes. a team of people behind that, uh, yeah. but there's not. So clearly it results. It shows in the work at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, what were some of the kind of biggest, you know, technical feasibility? Because you've got, it's a unique kind of, I suppose, service in the sense of like, you need obviously to get users interested, but you obviously need to get charities interested and you obviously need permissions from banks as well to kind of want to be able to kind of get involved. Like, what were some of the kind of biggest feasibility challenges that you had to overcome? I think it's all about the data that we're getting from the banks because a lot of it isn't normalized. You know, there's lots of different, um, I guess, variations going on there. So that has been a challenge and we've put a lot of um, other fixes on top of all of the data that's coming in so that we can do what we want with the product. So that's been a sort of ongoing development. And then um, I guess it's more around um, the data volume, the customer customer experience and making sure that we're you know, categorizing all the transactions and doing what we say we're going to do with all of that. So um, to create the best product experience and onboarding experience and then creating a really slick onboarding experience for the good causes as well so they can benefit from this. So it's all a work in progress, but we do, you know, work closely with the customers, both the end customer and the good causes themselves to make sure that what we're building is is the best experience and we'll continue to do that but i think it's just the ongoing challenge of data volumes and making sure that everything works and you know is is at the speed that we need it to be as well so that there's that really slick experience um and you know as we add in more products and services making sure that all that kind of ties in nicely together and enables you to really track your impact so we work a lot on the data science um side of things we've got a data science team and we'll be growing that as well as the engineering team cool. to make sure that all the visualizations and all the impact that you can really understand what what's happening there and that's all new stuff so we're really excited about all the um sort of machine learning we're going to put in so that is all um, interesting and exciting and just lots and lots of new challenges um ahead but we'll you know we're kind of we get new challenges every day so yeah <laughs> um, right. yeah so it's always um it's it's great to kind of have the team like kind of working through all the sort of problems and you know they're well up for the types of challenges that we're focused on yeah definitely uh how's the app and kind of service been received by the partners and the, the kind of charitable organizations so yeah. far so we're actually just working with some really big um charities at the minute that are going to start pushing out to 
lots and lots of thousands of their uh, supporters. So Amazing. that should be really good. Um, and, you know, lots of big stuff coming up with like sleep in the park, you know, social yeah, bike yeah. stuff. So we can hopefully get all of those um, people that are at the event to then kind of support uh, social bike after. Um, sure. with uh, in other ways so there's lots of exciting stuff that we're working on and um a lot of that is kind of creating those visual assets and all the the getting the brand story out there so people know kind of what we're doing and how it's going to benefit in the causes that they actually care about so um yeah i think it's an exciting time there's lots of stuff we've got planned um lots of stuff happening next year because obviously this part of the year has been kind of focused on getting the product right as we've added in all the other banks so we're now connected to 14 banks and then figuring out what are the next massive big um steps forward that we need to take for next year so we're, we've been working with students at edinburgh uni um and uh glasgow uni both of them on different uh, strategies and mm. we'll be leveraging a lot of the insights that come out of them in the next few weeks as well That'd be so cool. really exciting times ahead and um yeah just excited to get like to create lots more impact through yeah. the products that we're pushing out um yeah i can imagine like for the charities it's kind of like a win-win for them they're they're probably all interested there's probably just more like logistical stuff in terms of getting set up on the platform is that like a, a barrier or is it like have some charities not been wanting to get involved in it? no i think it's definitely it, it's definitely an interesting thing for them because we are creating a product that will make giving easier yeah. um, and then open up new opportunities for new customer groups that you know it's all about giving without friction and all that kind of stuff so um, it's definitely something they're interested in and the ones that we've got on the platform are actively going to be pushing it and actively getting income, new income streams from it so um, yeah I think it's all positive and just lots of there'll be lots of interesting campaigns in the new year that we're starting to do much more active activations with some of the partners and i think it will just continue to evolve and get bigger uh, and better as we release more of the products um into the market so yeah. it's exciting times um busy times busy as well times, by the sounds of it <laughs> busy times yeah every day is a busy day so um it's good yeah good oh wow good. yeah like, lots of interesting stuff uh you know do you have a particular goal or anything in mind that you guys are like kind of plugging towards at the moment or like where do you hope to kind of take it in the future yeah i mean i think there's there's so many things that we're actually just um figuring out right now at the moment in terms of the partnerships which ones are gonna we're gonna activate first and how are we gonna what do we want to do with that particular partnership because we've got a lot of opportunities to work with certain partners that we're actually just wow. in the process of finalizing right now. So um, some of them are actually huge. And uh, I guess it depends on the, the outcomes of some of these big conversations that we're having. So yeah. there's a lot of exciting stuff that I can't tell you about right now. But, <laughs> um, I hope in the next couple of weeks. That could be part two. Yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll have... Um, We've got some really big meetings coming up in the next few weeks and we'll figure out what's the biggest things that we're going to be doing next year. But the 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 vision for Sustainably is to generate billions. It's not like a small little side project that we want to kind of just, you know, do a couple of good things and we'll be done. We actually yeah. want to really scale this and we feel like we're building a platform that can really significantly improve the outcomes of what we're actually doing on a day-to-day -day basis in the world so that's kind of the reason it's called sustainably it's actually to to actually have a big impact just through you know living your daily life and actually getting involved in things that you didn't necessarily know about and you know um actually being able to have a positive impact but to understand that, yeah, that yeah. you're actually having that impact so um, watch the space uh, and just mm -hmm. yeah keep keep a sign up sustainably.co we'll be creating native apps and um, releasing them soon so um awesome. lots of stuff happening and yeah lots of exciting partnerships for next year hopefully yeah no that sounds absolutely amazing more power to you as well uh, i've never ran my own like this podcast is the closest thing to a business that i've ever ran in my entire life and it's stressful enough but running something like sustainably must consume you 24 7 almost and i can imagine i find it always hard to switch off from work but when it's like a living and breathing thing it must be even harder like do you have any like how do you how do you switch off do you find it hard to switch off or are you quite good at kind of turning that 
sometimes I think it's sometimes it's hard it depends what the challenge is you know so you know I guess when you're going through a process of investment or other stuff there might be some stuff that you're just really that you end up staying up till midnight to do something you know or that you've got a partnership discussion you need to get this thing done this proposal or you know there's something but um for me I think it's about trying to main some, maintain some sort of balance people always talk about it it's a marathon not a sprint you mm. can't really burn out and I have actually decided to set time aside to just not do work you know because you actually need to just get like fresh like yeah. air and kind of just have a thinking bit of time. thinking time exactly to kind of go and reflect and, and personal reflect, reflection is important so you have to reflect what has worked well what's not worked so well what have I learned from that kind of just rather than charging like through the rest as well as of like it. like for you, you know, business wise but also personally what have yeah, you learned as well you exactly. know about yourself and how can you help the rest of the team if you know because it's a collaborative approach so I think there's there's a lot more that I will that I need to do to kind of bring that whole thing into balance but um I have tried to go to the gym you know I'm like I'm I'm trying to be more like doing that on a really regular basis and like I maybe just take it a little bit too far like go six times a week or something <laughs> but you know and do two classes back to back you know because <laughs> I yeah. am a little bit of an extremist but there's that kind of thing so I'm been um trying to, when i'm not traveling trying to make a really big effort to do that because it keeps me sane like mind body and soul no um, i'm the complete same and then walking the dogs um although they're a bit disabled so it's kind of yeah. like one's got a buggy but that's you know oh. again just trying to make sure well they need to walk yeah. so you can't just not walk them and then listening to like podcasts, I think is a good sort of escape. So there's ways, ways ones that are business related, but also ones that are not business related, more just about like your mindset and yeah. like you're not, you know, happy, yeah. being happy. And then um, hanging out with your friends and family. Obviously, you can't do everything all the time. So it's just trying to like create some time for that um, and the good old a good old box set of something or other. Yeah, no, it's kind of like when you talk about booking out time in your calendar. I kind of first, I read the, it's one of my favorite books now, but Radical Candor by Kim, someone, Scott, I think he was like ex-Apple and ex-Google, just like talking about uh, one of the most important lessons that she learned was once a week booking out at least four straight hours in your calendar just to kind of have time to think, because if you don't, somebody will fill it with something. That's true. Uh, yeah. Or you'll fill it with something mm -hmm. that seems like it's kind of related to work, but not, and kind of getting in the habit of doing that has been a hard thing for me but it's so beneficial just mm -hmm. as you say just press pause like you can't run at full steam all week you'll just yeah. absolutely burn yourself out so yeah and I think traveling can be really sort of take it out of you as well so I think for me it's kind of having a handle on that because I set myself that I'm not going to travel within the hours of x and y and immediately broke it the next day or something yeah. so it's kind of just being conscious that you you do have to maintain your own like health and well-being mentally and physically and you know in order to get through this and it's not you know it's not just an endless endless sprint you have yeah. to you know you have to take it because I, I find like when I first started trying to like block out that time it was almost like the guilt of oh I'm skiving or I'm not doing something productive or I'm not contributing towards whatever but you just need to learn that it's not it's not guilty. You just—it's healthy. If yeah, anything. exactly. You've got to be healthy. You've got to be healthy to keep keep going. Yeah. Yeah. And to wrap up, we have a couple of listener questions. Like I said uh, before, we, before we went on air. So we have two. One of which is from Rachel in Aberdeen, who has asked, "Do you have a favorite female CEO that you would admire, and why?" I mean, if not, you can yeah, say I, I, I mean, <laughs> do you know who I really do admire? Um, Leslie Eccles. So she's one, she's, uh, yeah. I'll put her on there because she's the first one that sprung to mind. And I think the, that's, that whole fan duel journey is just incredible. And what they did with the marketing machine was just insane. Like yeah. with all the sort of making that become what it, it you know, that whole sort of machine. But um, I think that she obviously, there's a whole heap of learnings from from that so um, <laughs> and yes. yeah i think who else who else um yeah that's the only one that springs to mind right now but no. look, look at her journey yeah 
No, there's a, a good book about Fangio as well. Yeah, I, d- I just listened to that on a podcast because I don't read anymore. I just listen to things. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Billion dollar fantasy. Yeah, it's, it's certainly an interesting business case. Um, yeah, I know. But uh, yeah. that's for another podcast, yeah. perhaps. <laughs> Try and get one of those guys on. Yeah. Uh, and Jean, Jean, however you pronounce it, apologies if it's yourself, uh, from London has asked, do sustainably partner with businesses? I assume that probably means yeah payments rather than obviously you partner with businesses we, we that's will, the business model <laughs> well yeah we will we will we'll be, be, be doing much more next year on that yeah oh, yeah awesome. definitely definitely That'd it's a cool focus yeah yeah uh i can imagine that's where probably huge growth will take place as well yeah. um so that'd be really exciting yeah laurel thank you very much for coming on method in the madness i really appreciate you taking time <laughs> at your busy me. schedule yeah uh but yeah no good to chat to you wrap up with a promo Uh, i signed up to sustainably about three weeks ago and you can literally sign up in less than two minutes it is the simplest sign up journey you can either round up your spare change you can just make a monthly donation you can do all sorts and there's obviously more coming which obviously laurel's hinting to as well so you know you can limit what you donate as well if you're afraid that you're gonna if your spending habits are anything like mine and you think you're gonna be donating hundreds of pounds per uh, month you can limit it as well but obviously don't be stingy it's for charities at the end of the day so uh it's all for an array of fantastic causes so sustainably.co head over sign up spread the word uh do whatever you can to help these guys because it's an amazing cause but no thank you very much for coming on so to wrap up, as per usual, folks, head over to the website, the mitmpodcast.com to find out more about the show, uh, head to our podcast platform, hit subscribe, and that'll make sure you get notified when a new episode goes up. If you are enjoying the show, hit the stars, leave a review, share it with a friend, send an email, whatever you want to do. You have no idea how much all that contributes and helps grow the show. And also, please get in touch. The listener questions are really, really good. Um, seem to be going down a storm as well so always keen to hear from everyone send me an email on method in the madness podcast at gmail.com send a tweet a linkedin message email whatever uh, and don't be shy so that's it from us here thank you very much for listening and i hope you found some method in the madness